0: Today I have a hits instructor Ron Cloward with me. Ron's going to teach a couple classes again uh, this year for us. He's been with uh, Hits for quite a few years, um, and he also is a, a vendor with Top Dog Canine uh, out of California. Uh, top is it? I'm sorry, I want to say it right, Ron. It's Top Dog Training. Is that how it is? Uh,
1: top Dog Police. Yeah, Top Dog Police Canine Training and Consulting.
0: Yeah, and the website is. It's uh, um,
1: www.topdog police
0: canine.com okay and i just want i know there's a couple that are similar so i'll make sure i get the, the right one yeah. so so ron's if you guys don't know ron he's a retired uh, lieutenant out of modesto and he's been handling dogs for a long time um trains a lot of dogs and now with his company he's uh, way busier than uh, any retired person i know so I, I, I how many dogs are you teams are you training right now ron r- roughly
1: um how many am i training yeah. currently
0: well or, or just overall i know you got a lot of departments you're overseeing their training
1: yeah we're we've got like uh, 25 different agencies that we're contracted with monthly and uh, 70 dog teams that we go hands-on with every month
0: yeah and then in, in addition you're doing regular academies for patrol for narcs for bombs for um, correct decoys so i mean you gotta it, it's it's a really nice setup out there i've been to your place it's a fantastic setup real happy that things are going to, that you're so that you're as busy as you want to be i guess so yeah and you and i we've known each other for a long time and i know uh, i think one of the first times i met you was i don't know maybe it must have been 18 19 20 years ago at a bob eden seminar and i had a dog that he muzzle fought real well and I remember talking to you then about and uh you know that you like dogs that muzzle fight and that was actually part of the seminar of course and i've always been a big uh very very big advocate of patrol dogs um not only working well in muzzle, but being neutral in muzzle um not not just uh, equipment fixation because they have it on they want to go hurt somebody, but just being completely neutral and being able to to do whatever you want with them without them trying to strip it off and then have them have them be uh efficient and and fighting in it you know so you can do scenario stuff and everything I think you're on that page too, and that's why I wanted to kind of talk to you today about about all things muzzle
1: okay yeah um yeah we i mean I do a lot of muzzle stuff and I'm very I'm an advocate of muzzle training. I think it's got a really important place um, in uh, in police canine training. And uh, so we take advantage of it quite a bit.
0: Have you always done muzzle or did that change at some point in your career?
1: Um, it was back still when I was uh, with Modesto PD when um, we got into muzzle work and I saw the advantage. And the advantage I found was uh, the fact that our dogs are so fixated on equipment that we needed to find another way to work our way through, um, you know, dogs being fixated on either the bite suit or the sleeve. I mean, my very first deployment with my very first dog, I sent him on a running suspect and my dog ran alongside the suspect looking for a sleeve. And I thought there's a problem here. We need to fix this. And so, um, that was one of the things we started doing was a lot of muzzle work, but it's, it's gotta be a balance and we balance it with, obedience We balance it with playing we balance it with a lot of different things so that it's not always about the fight because then it just becomes another piece of equipment the dog knows what they're exactly. doing when you put it on
0: so when you when you started uh, realizing you want to do some muzzle stuff how did you go about starting back then
1: well back then um it was still kind of new and fresh and so i was picking up some stuff in different conferences and i just tried some different things um i realized that The first thing was my dog didn't like the muzzle. Of course, he wanted to fight it. So we were always trying to find a way to get him through that. And the way that I did it was actually because I was coaching soccer with my kids at the time, was I pulled a soccer ball out with it and I started uh, throwing the soccer ball around or kicking it around and the dog was chasing it. And before I knew it, he could care less about the muzzle and he was just having a great time. And I thought, you know, wow, what a great way to get this dog acclimated to Um, you know, doing muzzle work and getting the muzzle on and and getting over the, you know, fighting with it and just continuing to pull on it and not liking it.
0: So then over, over the years, you just, uh, continued with that. And and now that's a, when you do an academy, um, for new handlers for patrol dog, I assume muzzle is a big part of that.
1: Yeah. Muzzle is, it is, and it's also a big part of what we do in our regular, maintenance training because you can do so many different scenarios in a muzzle where, uh, if there's a risk, somebody's going to get tagged by the dog because of something different, something odd. Um, it's a good way to find out if the dog is going to respond to that in a negative way because of what you're doing. Um, you know, with a muzzle cause nobody gets yeah. hurt. Yeah. And especially doing the, uh, the, uh, um, tactical schools when we're doing tactics and stuff, put a dog in a muzzle and you work that dog through the muzzle and, um, you know, there, there's some there's just some great tools out there. I think Canine Storm has a muzzle that um, can be worn in tactical situations where it's actually connected to your duty belt with a line that goes to the muzzle of the dog, and it's got like a Velcro strap on the top. And I'm assuming they still make this, but I I actually prototyped it for a while. I got a got one from down south. They asked me to try it out, and when you flip this Velcro tab across the top, it shows a red dot. And it means that the muzzle is hot. And when you want to deploy the dog, you can send them. And the muzzle literally just blows off the face of the dog because of the way that it's put together. Oh, and it's now hanging from your duty belt. And the dog's free to go and do what he needs to do. And yeah. so, I mean, you know, it's a it's a great tool for, for tactical situations. But, I mean, uh, it, it will really take – I've seen it take weak dogs in a muzzle and turn them into strong dogs when they're done.
0: So I guess that's where um, you've heard the objections and so have I. So let's go down the list of of reasons why people say muzzles are stupid or they don't do them. And that's the first one that I will usually hear is that, you know, I don't want to teach my dog, you know, or I I need to teach my dog to bite better or to bite or, you know, that he's got a bite problem. And the last thing I'm going to do is take his bite away from him because, you know, that might hurt him. So what would you say to that person?
1: Well, I would say that you um, you don't need to worry so much about the bite because every dog will bite. I think where you need to focus your attention on, uh, especially in this day and age, more and more suspects are fighting with the dog. So if you develop into your dog, the sense of he can win every fight, no matter how much um, you know, fight he gets back and you've taken his greatest weapon away, which is his teeth, um, you build a much stronger dog. So when it's time to bite, um, even at that, he's been frustrated with the muzzle on. So when he does get a chance to bite, I think you're going to find his grip and his fight are going to be even that much stronger.
0: Yeah. So it actually will build fight.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's no different than making a dog frustrated. Um, you know, even in the dope world or the detection world where you do variable rewards and the dog goes in the next time and they're that much stronger and that much eager to go work because they didn't get paid the last time. And uh, you know, they'll work even harder. And We've proven that. Yeah. Which absolutely. Seems so,
0: but I, but you still hear a lot of people think that somehow it will diminish the drive. Where I think you and I, I know I firmly believe that it's a great way to enhance
1: their their fight drive. Right. I think if you're if it's done correctly, and I think that's where the problem is. A lot of people don't understand it, and um, I would encourage them to sit through, you know, lectures and and things like this and try to grab an understanding of it. But I mean, the exercises that we do start out very basic of just you know run bys and the dogs lunging at your decoys and building the dogs up and then before you know it you're getting into the contacts and then you get into the actual fights and then you do you know even send them on a frontal hit and um i mean man after after you've done that for a while and the dog always wins and you always do a chase away at the end where the decoy will crawl for a little bit and the handler is hanging on to the dog and then they take off running and you chase that decoy away and he goes maybe off to the right and the handler and dog go off to the left. That dog has just dominated and won that fight on the ground. And now, um, he is going to be that much stronger the next time. And, and I've seen dogs just really come around and become very strong that were maybe not as strong when they started.
0: I agree. I agree. And I think, uh, I think we, we concentrate too much on the bite, like you said. And I think, you know, if that dog's in there fighting and and even if he feels, you know, like he's at a disadvantage at first because he can't bite, when he realizes that he's, you know, pushing the guy around and bashing him and the you have a good decoy who is, is showing the, the, the you know, the, the dog's winning, um, it, it turns out to be very positive for, for dogs when it's done correctly. So the next thing that a lot of people say, um, you know, is that then it just becomes another piece of equipment. And if I put it on him then you know, he'll just want to go out there and bash people so it's useless because it's just another piece of equipment. So what would you say to those people?
1: Well, I would say that if that's the case, then you're probably using it wrong and doing it wrong because if you use the muzzle for obedience, you use a muzzle during search work. I've even used a muzzle in tracking. Um, and you use a muzzle to go out and just play and you know do things like that, then it's not just another piece of equipment. It's It's another piece of equipment in the sense that it's like a – a collar or a harness. It doesn't um mean that the dog just because they put it on, they're gonna start fighting with people because the dog doesn't know because you're doing it in a variety of things, they're experiencing that muzzle and it's not all just fighting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's just getting them good and used to being neutral about it. That uh and you can tell the dogs that the people either put the work in to it so the dog's neutral or they come out and the dog is uh, ready to fight everybody or the dog is spending all this time stripping it off, you know, and, and those are both of, both of those two hurdles, in my opinion, are not that hard to get over if you put a little bit of work and time into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just, you, you socialize with them, you spend time with them. Um, like I said, uh, today, we just did muzzle acclimation today with eight dogs that have never been in a muzzle. And we started out just doing nothing but playing with a soccer ball. But then we also bring them into the group and everybody's petting them and spending time with them. That's making the dog neutral to the muzzle. And if all we ever do is put it on them and go do muzzle hits, then yes, it's going to become another piece of equipment. So it just means it's being trained incorrectly is what it comes down to. I,
0: I agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, there's some other advantages to, you know, if you get a dog that's neutral in muzzle, you um, besides you know like you take him to the vet it's a lot easier because he's not going to want to muzzle punch the vet i had a dog that had a bunch of stitches in his leg instead of wearing the big cone he wore the muzzle but the muzzle didn't mean anything to him so he'd been in it so much and that just made it actually even better He got to the point where i had a big bucket in the house he couldn't work for about four weeks i had a bucket in the house and he'd stick the muzzle in the bucket and he could drink with it on he'd sleep with it on it made my life so much easier than having a dog with a stupid cone you know knocking things around so sure there's a lot of, I mean, there's some tangible benefits sometimes that people don't even realize by putting in that work at the beginning, making the dog nice and neutral to it. So obviously, you know, we're on the same page, introduce it slowly to the dog and do a lot of fun stuff and intermix maybe some, some fighting with it and then go back to, to just a soccer ball or some obedience or.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's just gotta be done, you know, in a variety of ways. Again, it's, uh, It's like bite work, and I get on people all the time with this stuff too, you know, with the guy in the suit. Everybody brings their dog out, has them sit next to them, and then starts this verbal exchange with the bad guy and then sends the dog. Well, by the time they actually send the dog, the dog is so worked up and just driven because he knows what's about to happen. How about change that? We come out and we do obedience with a guy out there in a bite suit, and then when I tell the handler, I'll just tell the handler, any time during the obedience routine, send your dog. And so now the dog is coming out of a neutral position. You're not setting him up. It's it's no different than the stuff you do in a muzzle. I just think that you need to neutralize those things a little bit. And I have no doubt that you'll have a much stronger dog. I really, I mean, I have never seen a dog come out of muzzle training and not be stronger than he was going into it.
0: Have you had any dogs over the years that you couldn't get, get to fight in the muzzle? That were, you know, maybe were still good police dogs, but you just... whatever reason you could get them over wanting to strip the muzzle or that distraction
1: yeah there was a couple that that we had that we really had to work with but um that's where good decoys come in and it's you have to have a really good decoy that knows how to handle a dog in a muzzle um you know to bring that out in the dog and i mean we've all said it and we all say it every day a good decoy will make or break training and so um, it, it really becomes very important, especially in the muzzle work, especially if you have a dog that's struggling. But I've had some that have struggled, but I've never had any that have completely failed out of it and not been able to, to do it.
0: That's been my experience too, is that eventually if you if you go slow with them, and um, I've seen a couple of dogs that were actually pretty strong dogs on the street that just for whatever reason it didn't click with them as quick. But by going slow with them and, and having them always win and – um, I'm real big on, you know, all forward progression, you know, so we do the chase away and just change that dog's mind that it's not a negative thing. And um, I think if you put the, the blood and sweat and tears into it, you can get through it.
1: Yeah, it's like anything else. We have to work at it. If we uh, aren't willing to work at things, then that means we're going to accept mediocrity. And I think it just comes down to work hard, put in the time and you'll find a huge benefit if you just give it a try. So, in just to recap
0: the steps. So, if somebody's listening to this and they've never uh, they've never done this before, the first thing you know do is is buy a quality muzzle. And there's lots of vendors that have quality muzzles, but get get a get a muzzle that fits. Get you know have somebody who knows how to fit the muzzle. When we were uh, at Western States last year, we did a podcast kind of talking about it with uh, Billy Holbert and I. That we pulled a lot of muzzles off a lot of dogs that day. Um, so just making sure the muzzle fits properly. And if you've not done it before, get with somebody who does a lot and kind of show you the best way to to fit the muzzle, get the muzzle on properly. And then once the muzzle's fitted, I know you were saying that the first day you just do neutral behavior, some soccer ball stuff with maybe a group of dogs. Um, once they're getting that down, then what's, what would be the next step that you're going to do with the dog?
1: So then we take uh, using the same soccer balls uh, as a reward, doing obedience in the muzzle. So they're healing alongside the handlers. They recognize that that ball is a reward, um, and they'll be doing just an obedience routine, downing the dog, things like that. And at times they'll throw the soccer ball, rewarding the dog. So now you you know moved into you've you've exposed them to the fact that the soccer ball or a ball is a toy, um, and now you're showing them that we can do obedience in this muzzle um, as well. And then from there, we'll start doing even search work with the muzzle, um, moving in teams with the muzzle, uh, eventually getting into, uh, you know, fighting in the muzzle. Um, but fighting is not something that I like jump right into on day one. I like to do a lot of of uh, basics with the dog first in the muzzle and kind of build up to that rather than put it on them and just go right into fighting because then that's all they're going to think every time they put that muzzle on so, um so even after a day, like next week when we do some muzzle fight stuff, at the end of the day, they will come out with the muzzles on and do obedience and play with the soccer ball. So again, you've taken it back to the basics for the dog. That Okay, you got the muzzle on. Yeah, you've been fighting all day. But now we're doing obedience and we're going to play with the ball. And they forget about the fact that the muzzle was just on them just to go out and fight. So, um, sure.
0: And I think that's a real common problem that I've seen is like – like people, they focus only on the fight at the beginning of it. And then the dog is always so amped up that, you know, he's it, in that, that drive where, you know, I, I do want to strip this off so I can go bite the guy. You know, I'll, I'll tolerate it when I'm fighting him. But then if we're just standing here, I might as well try and get this off because I'm in, I'm in a fight, you know. So if you don't do the neutral behavior, you're definitely setting yourself up for a lot of headaches going down the road. Besides besides the dog looking at as a piece of equipment, he's probably not going to attenuate to calming down in it. Usually he's he's going to be so amped up all the time. So once you've got the dog and he's working, you know, on that, and you mentioned, you know, that you do some fighting. Can you walk me through what is the beginning of that look like to teach the dog? Because obviously, not that many dogs are you going to cut off a leash, send them forty yards away, and have, and expect them to muzzle punch the decoy twenty five times. Okay, so we
1: we start them out on a harness because we don't want any pressure on their necks. Uh, It's, you know, the handlers are usually going to have a six-foot line, lines hooked to the harness, so the dogs have the freedom to be pulling against the handler a lot. The decoys, again, experienced decoys, um, will come through and they will agitate, work each dog up a little bit, and they will come in just close enough that the dog tries to lunge at them. but yet doesn't make contact. And when they lunge out on the decoy, it's supposed to scream and spin, you know, and go away. Like they were scared of the dog. Um, and they move out and they get themselves set up to do the next dog. And I'll usually have, you know, um, four or five dogs, at least in a group so that all the dogs are kind of feeding off of each other's energy just a little bit. And, um, So we'll do some, what I call flybys, which is just, they're just working the dog up. Dog does not get to make any contact, um, but boy, they're pretty amped up and they're ready to go. And um, once we see that the dogs are are handling that pretty well, then on the next one, they're allowed what we call just a bump. And it's, the dog will lunge out because they're pretty worked up. Um, Handler just kind of gives them enough line to be able to go out, make contact but there's no ground fight the decoy falls to the ground screaming crawls away the dog is pretty excited because it just knocked you know yeah. uh, down and they crawl away and they move on and they do the next dog and so they'll go through that series um, and then after that what we do is we come back and we uh, actually do a, uh, a ground fight which is where they come through and this time they not only get a bump but the handler feeds the line all the way out to where the dog is on the suspect on the, or the decoy on the ground and fighting, you know, the decoy and the decoy is screaming. And I, I teach my decoys not to use their hands sure. because, because you've taken away the dog's greatest defense, which is his teeth, but I'm allowing my decoys to use their hands, which is some of their greatest defense. Yeah. So it, it's an unfair fight. So I have them put their hands, tuck their hands in and they can roll their elbows um, which is kind of exciting to the dogs and the dogs are getting in there and punching and again decoys responding to being hit and the dog running around them. lots of screaming going on and then I never allow the handlers to uh, take the dog by a line or anything like that or by the collar I always have them come in with their arms and wrap the chest of the dog and just pull them back because we don't want the dog to get any negative out of yeah. this everything's all positive and then Like I said, the decoy crawls away a little bit and you chase them away. And then, and you go from that.
0: Interject right here. That fight on the ground is, I'm assuming, I haven't seen you do it, but I'm assuming that's a quick, short fight when the dog's just learning.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a pretty short fight. I mean, because number one, it's extremely, muzzle work is extremely exhausting to the dog because it's a, it, it, it inhibits their breathing. Okay. That's one thing. And then number two is it's, pretty tackling on the decoy. So you don't want to leave them on the ground too long. So it's a very short fight. And um, some of them will get longer as time goes on because we'll start doing multiple hits where they uh, hit them and knock them down once and then fight with them for a little bit. And the decoy might get up, crawl away just a little bit and take off run. You send them again and they hit them again. And um, you know, it's just a matter of just building out and just continuing to, to add just a little bit more to it and a little bit more to it. Have them take frontal hits uh, same thing. I always tell decoys how to protect themselves. You know, protect your groin, protect your throat, um, and you know you'll be good to go. And yeah. uh, we'll do targeting with the dogs as well in a muzzle.
0: And I'm sure you're probably on the same page as me on this too. That um, I'm always wa- I'm monitoring the dog very very closely at the beginning, especially those beginning stages. I want him frustrated the whole time when he's pulling away. That that he wants more. I'm not because I've seen you know if you go too long then the decoy will uh, start, the uh, the dog actually, if the goat is too long with the decoy, the dog will start like almost falling out of drive. Like, I'm not winning here. I don't know what to do. So I always want to make sure that that time that it's much shorter than what the dog wants and you just keep that dog really actively engaged the whole time.
1: Right, right. And, and not only that, but the monitoring of the dog and his health and his condition as well, because sure. uh, that muzzle, like I said, very restricting to the, they're breathing, which causes them to get hot quickly yeah. and, and tired quickly. And you got to really pay attention to that. Cause the last thing you want to do is, is lose, lose a dog in a muzzle situation yeah. as well. So, so,
0: so yeah. Then to, to kind of tie it all in, you've got a dog that you've done all the right work with and he's nice and neutral in muzzle. Um, obviously you can do a lot of, you know, scenario work and, and I know like for me, um, one of the things I really liked is the ability to go out into a neighborhood and put a, person with no equipment deep under a bush that's completely passive you know for a new dog and, and teach them to go under there and pick a fight and the people who don't like to do muzzle I just you know I don't know how you how you replicate a scenario like that and obviously there's you know I'm sure you do a lot of different scenarios with the dogs in muzzle
1: yeah I mean we do do a lot of different scenarios with the dog in a muzzle and they're the kind of scenarios like you're talking about where you don't have to concern yourself if the dog gets away. I mean, the worst that could happen is somebody might get knocked down by the dog Yeah. Um, in a situation like that accidentally or bumped with a muzzle. Um, it's got so many advantages that you can, you can get out and do, um, you know, reenactments of actual scenarios where you don't have to put people out there, like you say, in a, in a suit or a sleeve or something. It's more of the, uh, an actual suspect in a t-shirt and a pair of jeans, you know, and it, it um, brings a little bit more reality to it. I mean, we always say the toughest thing to bring out in training is um, real-life, you know, adrenaline and all those things, and and that's a really tough one. that You can't replicate that in training, but there's so many other things you can replicate, and I think the muzzle is one of those tools yeah. that we can use to do that. I,
0: I agree. Obviously, you know, I'm on the same page with you on that. I guess the last final thing, that uh, objection that, that I hear is you know you've got a dog that'll do all that and i've had people say you know they've seen our dogs over the years that were good in muzzle and then they'll say well but if they do that then when you take the muzzle off they'll just go and keep bashing the guy and won't actually bite have you ever seen that no i haven't i've
1: never i've never seen that i i imagine you've
0: heard that objection though i imagine i know (laughs) i've heard it several times
1: yeah i've heard it too and i um and I probably don't make people very happy sometimes when I respond to it because usually what I say is that just tells me that the people that are doing the training and that are using the muzzle don't understand the muzzle and they don't understand what they're doing. And um, you know, we have, at the end of the day, we all have to check our egos outside the door when we come in the door and realize we're going to make mistakes. We're human and we don't know it all. And uh, you know, uh, muzzles kind of that way. I think there's just a lot of people that don't understand it, so they don't do it. And yeah. I, th- I think it's unfortunate because I think they're
0: missing out on a great tool. I agree. I agree. So hopefully, if people are listening to this, they uh, you know kind of understand that you know there's some good advantages to it. If you're doing a little bit of it, maybe we, Ron and I, have uh, motivated you to think about maybe doing more neutral stuff because everybody who does muzzle. Has tried at least to get the fight out of their dog and try that, but I see a lot of people ignoring the neutral part of it. So hopefully, this uh, podcast here, you know, maybe keys up a little interest and uh you know if you like these kind of topics we always have a almost every year at uh, hits we have a lot of different people that teach muzzle and have have different videos and there's you know quite a few different ways that end up all being quite similar but there's different ways to to get to to this point so hopefully if you guys uh, like this type of topic and you uh, want to learn more about it come to hits in uh uh, August of this year we'll be in the Phoenix uh, Scottsdale area it's hot there but we have a pool and it's going to be a n- really nice event we'll have a thousand fellow handlers it's law enforcement only Ron will be there teaching so you'll be able to pick his brain about this podcast if you see him and uh, so I appreciate Ron I appreciate all your time and I know you're real busy so thanks for jumping on I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about muzzles today
1: my pleasure Jeff thank you look forward to seeing people in Scottsdale
0: thanks Ron take
1: care alright you're welcome If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training, or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.